Good afternoon. Today is Tuesday, November 12th, 2013. Welcome to the Personnel Committee of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority. My name is John Avalos, the chair of the committee, uh, joined to my right by Commissioner Marr, who's the vice chair, and we'll be joined shortly by Commissioner Cohen. Uh, the clerk of the committee is Ms. Erica Chang, and would like to thank SFGTV staff for broadcasting today's committee. John Smith and Jim Smith and John Ross. I knew I was going to do that. Um, and uh, Madam Clerk, could you please call um, the first item? Item number two, approve the minutes of the September 17th, 2013 meeting. This is an action item. This is an action item. And um, why don't we go to public comment? Any member of the public who would like to comment on our minutes? And saying none, we'll close public comment. And uh, seeing no comments from the committee. So I'll move approval of the minutes. Okay. We have a motion to approve the minutes. Second. Seconded by <laughs> Commissioner Cohen, and we'll take that without objection. Next item, please. Item number three, closed session. Approval of the Executive Director's performance goals for fiscal year 2013-14. This is an action item. Great. Thank you, uh, colleagues. This is... Uh, uh, the first uh, time we're discussing the performance goals of the Executive Director of the Transportation Authority. As you all know, we just uh, recently hired uh, our Executive Director, Tilly Chang, and she is here to discuss uh, what we have worked on together, her performance goals for the coming year. And uh, we will have a closed session for that, and so we'll need to prepare the room so we can uh, go into closed session. things you can do to reduce the impacts of that earthquake on your home. Let's take a look at them. We're here at the Spur Urban Center on Mission Street in San Francisco talking about staying in your home after an earthquake. Um, I have guests today, Pat Buskovich and his dog Harvey, hi, and David Bonowitz, both structural engineers. And we want to talk about things that you might do before an earthquake to your home to make it more likely that your home will be habitable after an earthquake. What should we do? Both structural things and maybe even important non-structural things. David, what do you think? Well, you hear a lot about how to prepare an earthquake kit, how to brace your bookshelves, brace your water heater, that water tank. That's really important. What you have to be careful about a little bit is make sure you're not just doing the easy things to make yourself feel better so you don't get into the whole deck chairs and the Titanic thing. If you have a bad structure, a bad building, then you really need to be looking at that, and everything you do to you know, keep your collectibles in place is small compared. 
If you've taken care of your structure, then there's a lot of good stuff you can do in your house that's non-structural, your chimney, your water tank, that's where I'd start. So let's talk about what those structural things might be. Pat, what would you and, think? And he's exactly right. You don't want to make the deck chair safe on the Titanic. If the Titanic's going down, you're going down. You've got to make sure your house is safe. There's some basic things you need to do, uh, including bracing the water heater, not just because of the fire hazard, because of the water source and the damage. But basic things are installing anchor bolts, adding plywood, um, strapping your beams to columns and posts to uh, footings to foundations are really easy things to do. Most contractors can do. The building department is set up to approve this work. And these are things every homeowner should do. It's a little harder because you have to get a building permit. You have to hire a contractor. But you want to be able to, after a big earthquake, to climb in bed that night, pull the covers up, and say, I don't have to worry about going to government shelter. That's really the, the, the main focus is that it's great to have an earthquake kit to be able to bug out for 72 hours. Here's a better idea. Stay in your own home. And in order to do that, you have to make sure the structure is okay. Now, if you had a house, as Pat was talking about, some of those easy things to do with wood construction are, are feasible. If you're a, a renter or you live in a bigger building or a brick building or a concrete building, you need to talk to the building owner and make sure that they've done the, their due diligence to check with an engineer and have their building evaluated, find out what those deficiencies are. Now, in the earthquakes that I've looked at damaged buildings, I've often seen that a little investment of time and money in structural work provides great dividends. Has that been your experience? Oh, especially David? if it's a, you know, the wood frame typical house where you can do the things Pat was talking about, the anchor bolts and a little bit of plywood in that first uh, garage area. You know, if you refinanced in the last few years, Take some of that savings. It's a really good investment. And the other thing I try to tell people, earthquake insurance is not the solution to the shelter in place. If there is a big earthquake and your building's damaged and you may have earthquake insurance, you're not in your house. You may be somewhere else. If you work in the city, it's going to be really hard to commute from Sonoma. You want to do what's necessary so that your house is retrofitted. It's a couple years of earthquake premium can get you to a level that you could be in the house after a significant earthquake. It may have damage, but you're still this shelter in place where you're at home, you're not worried for the government taking care of you, you're living in a place where you can go to work. You really want to have your house. Wood frame houses are really easy to get to that level. And on top of the wood frame house, I mean, every wood frame house in the whole west half of the city, they all have a water tank. And when water tanks fall over because they're gas-fired, they start fires. And that's something that you can do for, your, for yourself, for your neighbors, and for the whole city. Make sure your water tank is braced. If you look at the studies now that they're predicting on fires, uh, we're going to have a lot of fires. And for every water tank that's braced, there's a potential one less fire that the fire department's going to have to fight. And we don't want to have any more fires than we need to. So bracing the water heaters is the absolute first thing you want to do. And it's so easy. You just go online, you Google earthquake water heater, you'll find a dozen different links and sites where you can find uh, typical details. You can print them out right there and do it yourself from the hardware store. They sell kits or uh, hire a small contractor to do that for you. It's, that's a couple of hundred bucks best investment. Now, if you're in other types of buildings, it gets a little more complicated. If you're in a high-rise building, uh, you just can't anchor bolt your building down because, quite frankly, there are no anchor bolts. But at that point, the, the tenant should be asking questions of the owners and the managers about earthquake preparedness. And don't, don't take the easy answer, which is, oh, our building is safe. It was designed to code. 
That's not the right answer. Ask some tough questions. See if you can get a report that's been given to so you. So what is the right question? Am I going to be able to stay in my home after the expected earthquake? And is uh, that a good question to ask? Yeah, that's a pretty good question to ask. You, you may be more specific if you talk to the building owner, especially if it's not a recent building. If it's a building that's more than 10, 20 years old, see if they've had an earthquake evaluation done, say, since Loma Prieta or at Loma Prieta. Right. There you'll have a written report that will tell you all about the structure. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Harvey. Thanks, David, for joining us, and thank you for joining us on Building San Francisco. Stay safe. All right, good morning. Uh, thank you all for coming out today. My name is Ed Risk, and I'm the Director of Transportation here in our beautiful city. Uh, we have a beautiful day to, to talk about something important here, so I really appreciate you all coming out. And what we're here to talk about is safety. About a year and a half ago, the Board of Directors of the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency adopted a strategic plan identifying safety of the transportation system as the number one goal for our agency over the six years of our strategic plan. And I imagine that will continue to be the goal of our agency beyond those six years. Um, and safety of the transportation system uh, is broad. It has to do with safety walking in the street, driving a bus, riding on the bus, driving your car, riding a bike. Um, and I think the good news is that San Francisco generally is a safe city and Muni generally is a safe transit agency. So we're starting from a good place, uh, but there are some areas uh, where there's still work to be done. And in the area of crime, while most, most types of crime uh, are, are, are low and continue to decline uh, on the transit system, there's a couple that are going in the wrong direction. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. The, the other piece of good news is that we have a mayor who has been very focused on public safety in the last city budget, uh, made a pretty significant investment in public safety and staffing up our police department. He's also made a priority in forging partnerships between the city agencies within the city family, ensuring that we're working together to achieve our mutual goals and everybody has safety as a goal. So we have great partners with the police department, with the district attorney's office. The district attorney uh, wanted to be here but uh, was unable. Uh, working together, uh, marshalling our resources together to, to make Muni safer and to make the city safer. I do want to acknowledge the folks in uniform behind us, our the SFMTA transit fare inspectors, the SFPD officers, uh, we're all working together to make the system safer. Uh, but, but now, uh, without further ado, I want to bring up uh, the person who's been the biggest cheerleader for ensuring that our city is a safe one, our Mayor Ed Lee. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Well, thank you, Ed, and thank you to you and the entire uh, board, the MTA board, as well as the staff and everybody on the staff for working so hard uh, these past years to improve uh, the Muni service as well as to identify all things that we need to do to work together uh, on safety. And, you know, we're very fortunate in the city that our economy is strong, uh, that we can look at the things that we want to do to continue that success. And we do want to have success for everybody in the city. And everybody in some way, including the kids when they were growing up in my family, all touched Muni in one way or the other. And so it's a major uh, transit mode that we all want to support. And when it comes to safety, they're right in the thick of it. And they have to be a safe transit system for everyone. And so I want to just first of all thank 
all of the officers and the fare inspectors and the people working at the stations and the drivers and the entire safety complement uh, that happens to work directly with Muni, as well as our police department that works in complement with them, uh, not on an, only a day-to-day -day basis, but on huge events. Chief Sir has been there with his officers to support and supplement all the things that Muni needs to do. We've invested uh, in uh, the uh, improvement of our public safety. Uh, this summer, as you heard, that Chief Sir and I and uh, others in the technology world, Nessif City, announced Justice Mobiles to uh, allow our officers to save time, have more efficiencies by allowing them to use smartphones that were connected directly uh, to the crime data that our state attorney general has. So that was another improvement that I know we're all working on. It's already creating some good differences. Uh, we also invested in the community ambassador program to uh, get them trained. These are residents of uh, people who live in the Tenderloin, South of Market, or Bayview, or Visitation Valley, and they're walking the streets uh, on hours in which they can complement the additional eyes and ears, uh, working in tandem with our police department, having phones that are freely provided to them by AT&T, uh, and using their eyes and ears and experience, not only in greeting passengers on and off Muni at different stops that we have had in the past some trouble with, now, uh, you look at the data around those areas, and they've improved dramatically. So thank you to the Community Ambassadors Program. And uh, overall, uh, our city's crime data will show you that we're in the right direction. Uh, homicides are down over 35%. Shootings are down between 15 and 20%. And we want to continue that direction. As we uh, get towards year end, uh, police chief and I are going over everything that we can to, to make sure this trend continues and as shoppers continue to increase along the Market Street corridor and Union Square we're going to be working really hard for everybody to have a safe experience because I know we're going to be an attractive place for people to be and we continue to be an attractive city part of the reason is because we know we're taking care of crime and making sure that downward trend is there that doesn't mean everything is perfect that also means that we still have uh, some homicides and some shootings and robberies that occur and uh, we're looking at that data and linking it up with all the different agencies to improve it and just so happens uh, that while we're working together uh, I want to thank uh, Ed Riskin and MTA, the SFMTA and their entire board for working with our police department to obtain a very valuable grant recently from Homeland Security a grant of a million dollars uh, to focus on our transportation corridor and so uh, today was to announce a program but we've already been working on this program in a kind of a uh, experimental way to see what the results would be and thanks to the MTA and to the police department working together uh, we compared the data uh, we began in the month of September where we had over 51 robberies that had to do with uh, on Muni and in, in and around the stations. And as a result of additional officers uh, that focused on those Muni routes, uh, the month of October when we put them on there, that 51 robberies changed into nine robberies on those Muni lines. Larceny, same thing. People stealing things, maybe not off uh, uh, a person, uh, but that was uh, totaled 80 larceny reports that were on the Muni lines in the month of September. 
and they were reduced to 26 larceny reports in the month of October when these additional officers were placed online. That is a very dramatic demonstration of the presence of officers, uh, people all working together, getting this grant. And well, uh, thank you. Thanks again. Uh, and so that's an important statistic. Uh, from 51 to 9 robberies, from 80 to 26 larceny reports, in a matter of just 30 days, with the additional presence of officers, uh, I think uh, we want to keep this going. And we wanted to announce another very important aspect of it, because it will not be simply the presence of more officers uh, uh, on the Muni. That's going to help dramatically, and it's helped already. But it also means uh, that we want to do something about the number one area of theft and larceny, and something that uh, uh, D.A. Gascon has been talking about, our chief has been talking about, and that is, you know, in this whole uh, world, and we're all talking about technology these days, people have all of the technology devices that they need, and they're using them on Muni, and when they're walking on and off, people aren't paying attention to their surroundings. And so we wanted to educate the public, the people that actually use the technology, to be a little bit more assertive and careful about their surroundings. So we've launched a public awareness campaign thanks to MTA and the police department working together, and we want to announce uh, the uh, looking up and phones down, eyes up and phones down public awareness campaign that we're launching today. And this is uh, an awareness campaign, an education campaign that's focused on our own ridership so they can participate in helping us get to zero crimes on Muni. I know that sounds almost impossible to do, uh, but we need to have a goal like that in order to challenge everybody to pay attention. Because when you got your eyes up and your phones down, you're going to be aware of surroundings. You're going to see the ambassadors we have out there. You're going to be engaging in your surroundings. And we're going to have this done in a culturally competent way. You're going to see multicultural signage in all of the muni stations. Uh, the uh, fair inspectors will be reminding people about that in culturally competent ways. Uh, you're going to have officers talking to people, hey, can you get your eyes up and your phones down so that you can always be aware whenever you are riding Muni. That's going to help, I think, with this whole movement going on. And we think that we can get to zero crime on our Muni railways by doing a, a public awareness, getting in direct engagement of our ridership, working with our officers, working with our fair inspectors, working with all the muni stations people around us, and working with the general public uh, when they have an increased ridership that we will experience during all of these holidays and shopping areas. So uh, this is my way of saying thank you, uh, SFMTA. Thank you for your leadership, Ed, and entire board, but everybody on your team, uh, the, the drivers and the inspectors included. Thanks to Chief Sir, all of the officers behind me, but all the officers working in every station day to day, they're doing their best. And I know they are because we're seeing the results of their presence in every corridor, whether it's Market Street or in the Bayview or in areas where we've had high crime rates before. They're all, rates are all coming down because everybody is much more aware and we're helping each other be that much more safe. So congratulations, but let's start talking about eyes up and phones down. 
This is where we make a huge difference. And let's put that million-dollar grant into a $10 million effect in our city. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. I think you could hear uh, just from, from the Mayor's words his passion and depth of understanding and commitment to this issue and to improving the situation. Uh, we certainly share that passion and commitment at the SFMTA. I mentioned our number one goal is safety, making sure our transportation system is safe. Our number two goal is really implementing the city's transit first policy that was established 40 years ago by the Board of Supervisors. And one of the key elements of transit first is making transit an attractive option for people to take. And what we need to do in order to make Muni attractive, it has to be reliable, it has to be convenient, but it has to be safe. Uh, we don't want uh, people making a calculus about how to get from point A to point B uh, based on feelings uh, uh, that they can't be safe riding on Muni. So our, our goal of transit first is very much supported by our goal of a safe transit system. And it was for that reason that our security director, Lee Militello, got together uh, with our police commander that Chief Sir has assigned to us, Mikhail Ali, and put together, uh, worked together to put together this program to secure this grant that the mayor referenced. Uh, and then it was really Chief Sir and his officers who have stepped up that have been responsible for some of those numbers. Uh, pretty tremendous immediate progress that the mayor talked about. So happy to bring up uh, our city's great police chief, Greg Sir. Thanks, Ed. Uh, I, I have to tell you, it's a pleasure to be a police chief in a city uh, where public safety is the mayor's priority, a great partner in Ed Reskin, uh, a district attorney that's a former police chief, a security director, Lee Militello, at Muni, who's a former police commander, uh, and everybody comes together. The, this program that was initiated through this grant that put additional police presence on buses uh, I, I don't know if those numbers grabbed you enough. It's an 80% decline from September to October over a 30-day period and a better than 70% decline in theft over that same time. Th those are not insignificant numbers. We, we can be better even still through awareness and education. That can really impact if we now engage with the community to help us out to make things even that much less available to be taken. Two out of every three robberies in San Francisco involve some sort of a smartphone. If folks would merely heed the mayor's words and do eyes up, phone down, uh, don't walk and text, don't make your phone available to be taken, they, they can't be taken. Uh, I, I can often be half-kiddingly quoted that, you know, nobody's stealing books. If people would read a book while they're on Muni <laughs> instead of looking at their electronic device, we could get our robberies down to nothing. Robberies would be down by double digits in San Francisco were it not for the alarming rate of cell phone theft. That's big. And again, education and awareness. Be smart. Don't make it available. You wouldn't walk down the street counting hundreds of dollars. That's what you're doing when you're not paying attention and you're engaged or engrossed in your cell phone. Uh, I, I want to take this opportunity as well to talk a little bit about as we head into the shopping season because we can even be smarter there still. Property crime, again, upticking here in San Francisco as it is across the state. Please, don't leave anything visible in your car. Don't leave your GPS or electronics readily available. We want your gifts to make it to who they're intended for, not to be in the hands of some opportunistic thief. 
secure them in the trunk when you're walking around. Don't don't overload yourself carrying packages, certainly while you're looking at your cell phone, and make yourself just that almost uh, comical target to be hit by some sort of an opportunistic thief. Just keep yourself safe, keep your belongings safe, keep San Francisco safe. And, and as long as I'm on the soapbox, I want to talk a little bit about another grant that the, the police department has uh, won through the Office of Traffic Safety through Regional uh, Highway Traffic Safety Administration for drunk driving. Drunken drug driving has resulted over in 750 deaths, 24,000 people are more injured, still the number one killer on our roadways. So we've received over $200,000 in grants for education, awareness, DUI checkpoints, and the AVOID campaign with our uh, uh, other agencies that we're affiliated with here in the, in the city. Please. Uh, designated drivers, be smart. Let's have a great holiday season. Everybody come to San Francisco and shop. Uh, but while you're doing it, pay attention to the price tags and not to your cell phones. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. I, I, th I think there's a, a theme running through the, all of this, which is awareness, uh, distraction on Muni, distraction while driving, uh, whether from using your, your phone or through what you've, what you've consumed. Uh, doesn't make our city safe. So we want everybody to be aware. We want you to help us uh, raise the profile of this. Uh, we will have uh, enhanced police presence on Muni. We will have our fair inspectors handing out these cards. There's a there's a screen cleaner for your for your electronic device that we don't want you to use, but we want to help you keep it clean. Uh, that's that's part of this package, uh, j just to to try to better engage with folks. And the chief has inspired me to, to consider a new partnership. Uh, I'll be contacting the city librarian to kick off our Bring a Book on Muni campaign to, to dovetail with this. But I want to thank you all for, for coming out today. You're helping to spread this message, really encouraging people to be aware will help make us all safer. So thank you very much. Happy to take some questions. So uh, we, we like to think with the way of officers, it's sort of the loaves and fishes. There's more than there appear to be, and they'll be everywhere. We don't really say for purposes of uh, our folks that would take advantage of where we're not. Um, citizens have already commented like crazy. Uh, the deployment by Director Militello and Commander Ali has been spectacular to achieve the numbers that we've had. So uh, how about if I just say plenty of cops and they'll be everywhere? Well, the, 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 the number of officers in the San Francisco Police Department remains the same, although, as the, the Director Eskin mentioned, through the mayor's plan and the Board of Supervisors, our staffing is up. We have about 100 officers in the academy right now. But the officers additionally deployed to Muni are through the grant funding, so they're on an overtime basis. Numbers of arrests in the San Francisco Police Department are way up uh, across the board. The number of I, I don't have it handy, but I can get it for you. No, but that's certainly worth mentioning. Uh, Dan references that uh, with the homicide that occurred at State College, 
there were many people on the bus so engrossed in their cell phones that they didn't even notice the suspect pull the weapon out, uh, a, a rather large firearm, three times. So um, th th this campaign is more in relation to just we want safe transit, we want people to use transit, uh, we don't want people to lose their belongings, and uh, inattention due to cell phone usage is a big part of this. Right. So, so David's question is, uh, what, what about the secondary market in cell phones? Uh, it's just way too easy to move a stolen cell phone. So that's why I drew that analogy. You wouldn't walk down the street carrying cash. And I think uh, in San Francisco, that in large part is due to this being the first time in, in my 30-plus years that we've actually made more robbery arrests than narcotic arrests because people would prefer to traffic in cell phones than narcotics. It's just a more cash and carry uh, secondary market item. So, so the question was, does the new Apple technology, the activation lock that actually makes the phones like a brick phone contribute to that? Uh, it's probably too early to say because there's so many other cell phones out there. However, we would encourage any uh, maker of any cell phone to enable bricking technology because if it's not worth stealing, uh, again, it all goes to robberies going down, makes the city safer. When the new California Academy of Sciences opened in 2008, it quickly became one of the top tourist magnets in the city. Part of the Cal Academy's astronomical success is the weekly nightlife party. I'm joined by Helen Taylor, who's here to school me about all the nocturnal activities that are getting ready to take place here. Helen, tell us a little about what we can expect to see at nightlife. Well, we open up the doors for nightlife every Thursday night at the California Academy of Sciences, and there are certain things you can see every week. So you can explore the whole museum, you can visit the planetarium, bring in bars and a DJ or a band, or sometimes both. Um, and it's a really different feel than during the day. There's something different every single week. Tonight we've got great beer and great music. Um, it's beer week in San Francisco, so we have a beer garden set up in African Hall with a dozen different local brewers, and then we're partnering with Noise Pop for music tonight. So we've got a bunch of different DJs set up throughout the museum and uh, a live performance at uh, 9 tonight. What has been your favorite part as a participant or as an observer? Uh, my favorite part is to walk around the aquarium and see people with a drink in their hand, getting to know maybe somebody new, maybe looking for a date, or just chatting with friends. They're jellyfish. I mean, they're beautiful. I love the fluidity of them. It's a combination of cocktails and um, animals, so I, I'm an animal lover. The nature itself is really impressive. Yeah, there's a diversity of fish we just don't have at home. Tell us a little about some of the spiders that we see here on display. 
the California Academy of Sciences has a very large collection of uh, preserved and live specimens, which are the evidence about evolution. We have the assassin spiders, which are spiders that exclusively kill and eat other spiders. They're under the microscope here. And research done in the California Academy's arachnology lab suggests that assassin spiders have been doing this for over 150 million years. This glassed-in room is a real scientific laboratory, and the people in that room are preparing specimens of uh, vertebrates, that is, mammals and birds. And the way they do this is to remove the skin, uh, sew the skin together in a relatively lifelike pose, and ensure that it doesn't decompose. I'm a really big class actress fan, so I'm really here to see them, and then just SF Beer Week and Noise Pop, and so it all came together. I want to learn something, and I want to have some fun while I was doing it. I always enjoy it. I'm not always working as I am tonight. Sometimes I come just to enjoy the music and to dance. the arts in San Francisco, and one of my favorite poster artists is here tonight, Jason Munn. Thanks so much for being on Culture Wire. Sure, thank you. Tell us a little about some of your posters that we have here today. Uh, well, most of the posters here are for either specific shows or tours, so I'm hired by the bands or, in some cases, a venue to make a poster. What's the inspiration behind these posters? You know, mostly it's something related to the band, of course, uh, lyrical content, maybe past like this visual references from the band in some way, album covers, it really kind of can come from anywhere. renovation of Balboa Park, which is one of the most loved parks. It's certainly the oldest park in the city of San Francisco, and now it's the newest park in the city of San Francisco. 
through our partnership with the Trust for Public Land and because of public investment from the 2008 Parks Fund, you know, we're, we're celebrating a, a, a renewal and, a, and an awakening of this park. Um, we have made this park safer, happier, healthier, more joyous. Most of all, it's the greatest resource for families to stay in this city and to have fun in this city, recreation in this city. This is an amazing park. It serves so many different needs and uses, and uh, we could not have revitalized it without the combination of public and private investment. The critical piece of the, of the process of this renovation was that it was all about the community. We went through meeting after meeting, reaching out to everyone in, the, in this community who, who loved this park dearly. And they all had thoughts and ideas and they wanted to bring their own creativity and their own needs and their own personality uh, to bear on the design here. And so what, what you see is what the community really wanted. Uh, these ideas all came from the residents of this community. And so as a result, there's a sense of ownership, a sense of pride and responsibility and stewardship that, that goes along with uh, what is going to be a really exciting and popular part. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Well, good morning. Well, thank you, Don, for that introduction, and I'm glad to be here uh, to the Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Center again and the Kelly Cullen Community Center. Uh, it's always great to uh, be here. Uh, I was telling uh, our Deputy Secretary, Marie Stones, that this uh, building was one of the first, uh, when we went through the, uh, the transformation of it, first to use the ARA uh, funds. And we still remember that because that was such an enlightening, positive uh, effort going on here in the Tenderloin to use the, the federal program that President Obama had brought and gave us an opportunity to do that. Uh, I'm here to uh, say hello to all of you and to welcome you to San Francisco and thank you for being here to the Home Matters for Health Symposium. Uh, and it is, as Don said earlier, uh, the right place to be because TNDC has been a powerful force for change for over 32 years, and I am so glad that they are continuing to champ champion the symbiotic relationship between uh, home and health. And no other center, I believe, uh, can do that because you have this wonderful uh, Kelly Collin Home and Center and uh, the Waddell Clinic right here in the same place for this community. Uh, today's symposium uh, continues to be uh, part of a commitment that our city is making and uh, I just wanted to let you know all the things that we are doing to continue the promise of housing for everybody. Just last week uh, we opened up the Helen uh, Rogers, uh, the Mary Ellen Rogers Senior Community Center and uh, uh, certainly uh, my good friend uh, uh, Reverend uh, Fong was there and it was a culmination of a community driven public-private partnership that uh, is now to uh, uh, just a con uh, concludes in a wonderful home 
for more than 100 of our city's low-income and formerly homeless seniors. 20% of those apartments were set aside for uh, homeless seniors under the Department of Public Health's uh, direct access to housing program. And then last month, uh, we broke ground on the development to house uh, youth that were formerly in foster care. And a week before that, we were in Chinatown North Beach, breaking ground on the development that will be targeted for formerly homeless families and for low-income residents. All of these housing developments have supportive services on site to ensure that our residents live healthy lives. And it just will not stop there. Let me uh, repeat that. It will not stop there. In fact, 25% of all of the housing that is now being built in San Francisco, 25% of that are permanently affordable to all of our low-income residents. That continues a very strong commitment from our city. And just uh, last uh, September of this year, we announced the additional resources for the Human Services Agency to stop unlawful evictions and provide tenant counseling for our residents, so that's increased. And because of our city's careful planning, I have a lot of people who love to plan for the future and to understand the problems now, but not just react to them, to plan for them. It means that our city is tripling the amounts of funds uh, that the Human Services Agency currently provides, which is nearly about $8 million in homeless prevention and eviction defense services to those that need it the most. Well, some of these funds are coming from something that we did last year, the Housing Trust Fund. And that's a measure that was overwhelmingly passed last November by our voters to build affordable housing and to the tune of $1.5 billion in the next 30 years. We are also in the midst of re-envisioning our city's public housing. And no more do we uh, want to be involved in poverty housing that traps generations of socially and racially and economically isolated complexes. There's nothing San Francisco about that. So I've been working very closely with the deputy, uh, with deputy uh, Maurice Jones and HUD here and in Washington to get off the treadmill of troubled uh, housing lists and repair backlogs, including elevators. And I've asked our city administrator, uh, Naomi Kelly and Olson Lee, our director of uh, Mayor's Office of Housing, to partner directly with HUD and the Housing Authority staff and residents to re-envision our public housing and build and expand on the model that we've all seen work. And that's the HOPE SF model. And I'm proud of the progress that we've made. Uh, towards envisioning, uh, towards ending hopelessness for our veterans. I want to thank Deputy uh, Secretary Jones. I want to thank our local HUD office, uh, Veterans Administration, Swords of Plowshares for their partnership. Since 2011, we've decreased homelessness among veterans by 30%. And we've done that by opening the Veterans Commons, which is permanent housing for some 75 uh, veterans with on-site supportive services, and our two other successful Homes for Heroes campaigns, where about 150 veterans were housed through a partnership with HUD and their VASH uh, uh, vouchers, rapid rehousing, and the city's uh, funded supportive housing. All told, over the last nine years, we have some 10,000 San Franciscans have left our city's streets or shelters for permanent housing and services, including 3,000 units of city-funded permanent supportive housing. 
And we're going to keep building those affordable housings and keep occupying them. And while housing first remains my priority, we'll also continue to support emergency services, particularly those with strong housing connections for particularly those in need. We're expanding our shelter uh, system for better serving the LGBT population, for example. And we've expanded our Project Homeless Connect with Everyday Connect. And clearly, our work is not finished. We'll be talking more about uh, things like innovative services and universal health care, building on a world-class city. And well, once again, uh, we're going to be innovating our way to success because we're just going to make sure that San Francisco becomes and always is home for everybody. First of all, I'd like to uh, start out uh, before we get uh, started with our ribbon-cutting ceremony. Actually, we have a congratulatory telegram, uh, not necessarily a telegram, but it's uh, more just a message. That's what they say in Japan. I, sorry, I was off of my Japanese brain there for a moment. Uh, it's a celebratory, uh, a congratulatory message that we've received from the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, Japan, uh, Mr. Taro Aso, who I think you can see on the uh, screen right now. Uh, I'm going to read it out uh, first in Japanese here and then continue on with it in English. え、本日ですね、え、麻生太郎副総理、え、財務大臣からですね、今、え、お祝いの祝電。え、いただいておりますので、ここでご披露させていただきます。え、麻生太郎副総理、財務大臣からの祝電。え、デジタル化レジ社
And I want to thank uh, Deputy Counsel General Watanabe for being here as well. Uh, I know that he's here because he knows that we are an international city. In fact, we host some 72 foreign consulate offices here in our city, the highest number outside of New York and Washington, D.C. We are host to 18 sister cities in San Francisco. And one of them, of course, is Osaka, Japan. And so I'm delighted uh, that today, uh, on this wonderful announcement of Digital Garage 717, is right in the heart, this combination of the Digital Garage and Neo coming to San Francisco and to open up their uh, incubator headquarters right here in the Innovation Corridor. And I was talking to some of the media people here from Nikkei that they know that this is part of our commitment to Market Street that we want this to be the innovation corridor for the whole city, for the Bay Area, if not for the world. And I have several announcements to make. Uh, one is the recognition that innovation isn't just something that we do locally. We understand and know that we are part of an international effort that's going on, that companies want to locate here because the talent is here, technology interest is here, and we make a long-term commitment to discover uh, best, better ideas in business or uh, in improving the quality of life for everybody can begin right here. So I want to congratulate Digital Garage for starting here and making this a fantastic announcement. The other announcement I want to make is to thank the Digital Garage because they've begun in the very kind of value-oriented way that we've always wanted to see good businesses start. And they follow in the tradition of many talented Japanese companies that have come here. Because not only do we want them to be successful, we want to share in their success. This is the story of San Francisco with so many companies. Supervisor Kim and I are not just about business success. We also want to be about success for everybody to share in that success. And that is why I am so moved that when uh, the DG717 start here, they also want to signal that they share in the success. So they have chosen three community-oriented entities to receive uh, the sponsorship, the grants that they have to start out here. And this is so Asian, in my opinion, uh, because I've always wanted to do that as well, that with every successful effort that we start or that we receive, we bring others aboard to share in that success. Uh, today, Hospitality House, which is a very well-known uh, community-based arts project that helps uh, homeless and local people here, are getting a grant from uh, Digital Garage. Uh, that also, the Asian Law Caucus that was chosen by Supervisor Kim, they're getting a grant. Some place that I've, it's very close to my heart because I used to work there, and Jane used to also uh, work there as well. Uh, and then... Uh, Something dear to my heart as well, uh, which is uh, the uh, Mayor's Cup and the commitment to the First Tee Program is also getting a grant uh, as a result of this opening. So these three entities are uh, being sponsored today by Digital Garage as uh, their introduction effort. And so on behalf of the city and county of San Francisco, uh, in fact, on behalf of uh, all the technology companies, uh, DG, 717 now becomes the 1,893rd technology company in San Francisco. 
and they are a wonderful story. I want to congratulate and thank them for being here. And on behalf of the city, I'd like to present uh, this to Mr. Hayashi, uh, if you come forward here, uh, to present you here the proclamation from the city uh, declaring today to be Digital Garage Day in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Ed Lee, Mayor of San Francisco. Uh, now I would like to ask the District, uh, District 6 San Francisco City Supervisor, Ms. Jane Kim, to please come to the stage for a few words. A round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. And it's actually a really good reminder of why it's so important for us to support our language immersion public schools here in San Francisco. Because um, being bilingual and trilingual is such an important part of growing um, the strength of our city and our young people to be able to compete um, in an economy that is increasingly global. So the mayor and I have um, the honor of going to all of these ribbon cuttings um, throughout the district that I represent, um, particularly here in the south of market and mid market. And um, I have to say, this is the first um, incubator space that we are coming to that is actually an international collaborative workspace. And that is incredibly exciting. Um, I was speaking with um, some of the employees here about how you know many of us came to San Francisco 13 years ago um, for um, what many consider the first dot-com boom. And I actually graduated from Stanford. Many of my friends um, left school, graduated, and went straight into um, this hot economy um, at that time. Of course, you know, we had the bus cycle that followed, and what we're seeing now is incredibly different. Um, it's exciting. Um, the diversity of the economies and the businesses are incredible. And what is exciting about this next step in our district is that now we're seeing an international collaboration. Um, this is not just about what's happening here in San Francisco and the Bay Area, but it's also about what's happening in Asia. And as many of you know, um, it's been the mayor's priority to help strengthen and develop these relationships with Asia so that we can collaborate and bring our investment and share ideas together. Um, because that's how innovative business um, and products are going to be um, created and brought together for, um, for, for our people. So I'm also here um, on behalf of the 11 members of the Board of Supervisors to welcome um, Digital Garage, um, DG717, um, to the south of market. And I also have a commendation as well, signed by all 11 members um, for, for the company. But I, I just wanted to say one last thing and just really echo what our mayor had said. Um, both the mayor and I came from um, a background of community organizing and advocacy. So we know how important it is for us to build relationships so that we don't have divided cities. Um, we are one city, and um, we can only be successful if all of our communities are successful. We often have to um, hint, uh, kind of uh, negotiate and really push companies to consider um, investing and giving back from the get-go. Um, but there is none of that here. Uh, Digital Garage came and immediately said, how do we invest back into the city from day one? Um, you don't need to convince us to do this. This is part of our um, belief system and vision as well. We want to be a part of the city and neighborhood. And Asian Law Caucus and uh, Hospitality House are two amazing organizations. I know that we have some of our youth leaders um, from Asian Law Caucus here. 
Where are you? Where are you? Stand up. We have some of our youth leaders here from Asian Law Caucus as well who have been doing tremendous work on a national level to support immigration reform, something that is important to all of our communities. Um, and we have so many young people that came to the U.S. at a young age, um, but through a very convoluted immigration process, um, don't have the same access to education and jobs because of their status here in this country. And they have been the leaders, and they've been so courageous in coming out and speaking about their stories, about why they should be able to access higher education and jobs, the same as their U.S. citizen brothers and sisters. And I also want to recognize Hospitality House, who is here as well in our district, Jackie Jenks, our executive director, when people ask me how we're supporting and addressing homelessness in our city, I say by supporting organizations like Hospitality House. They run the premier homeless shelter in our district, um, one that people enjoy going to and feel respected, and also a drop-in arts center, employment center on 6th Street and Market as well. And so supporting these two organizations are going to be an immense benefit um, to our communities and our city. And first tee, I was a uh, former Board of Education member. Seeing young people learn how to golf that don't normally have access to that program is a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. So thank you again. And I just wanted to present this commendation on behalf of the Board of Supervisors to Digital Garage on its DG717 grand opening in honor of your newly christened startup incubator at 717 Market Street, where your team is cultivating a hub for entrepreneurship, culture, art, and world-class technology, the Board of Supervisors of the City and County extends its highest commendation and recognition on this day of your ribbon-cutting and sake ceremony. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you and welcome again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, now, uh, moving on, I would like to ask another very important guest to please come to the stage. Uh, he is the Acting Consul General of Japan in San Francisco, Mr. Nobuhiro Watanabe. Would you please welcome him to the stage? Good morning, everyone. It is a really great pleasure for me to attend this special occasion to celebrate the opening of Data Garage Incubation Center here in San Francisco. I would like to say thank you very much to Mayor Ed Lee for making his time available this morning to celebrate this special event. I know Mayor Ed Lee has been a big supporter of Data Garage for the past years. Having visited the site of the company beforehand and greatly contributed to the successful opening of this incubation center here in the center of San Francisco at the vantage point of the city. I would also like to recognize and thank other leaders from many areas, including the Ms. Jane Kim, in attendance for celebrating this momentous occasion today. From Japan's perspective, the opening this incubation center here in San Francisco comes at very opportune time because the 
as you know, the growth strategy of Japan, just launched by our Prime Minister Abe, underlines the importance of opening Okay, we are back in open session, and uh, we have not taken any action. Um, but before we do, um, I do want to have a moment for anyone who might want to enter the room to give public comment. And um, so public comment is now open. Someone's entering but not a member of the public. Okay, so we'll close public comment. <coughs> Commissioner Mark. So I will make a motion to recommend approval of the Executive Director's Performance Goals of 2014 and forward to the full Transportation Authority Board. Okay, thank you very much. That is seconded. And this uh, performance uh, objectives will be provided to all, of, all the board members and it will be on the agenda for the public to view as well. And then we will go into closed session to look at that um, as uh, the full TA. But that will be going to our next full TA meeting, which is going to be on November 26th. Okay? So we can take that motion, colleagues, without objection? Okay. Very good. Thank you. And I want to again thank uh, our new Executive Director, Tilly Chang, for her work on uh, developing the performance objectives and look forward to our next year with you. Um, next item, please. Item number four, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Colleagues, any new items for introduction? Saying none, we will go to public comment, general public, public comment on introduction of new items. And seeing no one come in for public comment, we'll close public comment. Next item, please. Item number five, public comment. I'm holding my breath for public comment. Okay, public comment's open, and we'll close public comment. And uh, our last item. Item number six, adjournment. We are adjourned. Thank you, colleagues. Thanks, Erica.